Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. Absolutely a player for the ages. Ooh, that was close to my prop bet. I had a prop bet that I made up myself. It was Jim Nance, and it was going to be one for the ages. Tom is still terrific. Oh, that would have been a better one, I think. I thought that would have been as about as cliche as you could get mm-hmm. and thought it would have been a good Nancism. Um, but that one was pretty darn good from Kevin Harlan. You probably heard it right here on 101 ESPN, the Danny Mac show on a Monday with BK. And of course, our producer extraordinaire Tanner Hendrickson is with us. We're going to visit coming up at 1030 with Joe Sheehan, the Joe Sheehan newsletter and does a great job. Longtime baseball writer at Sports Illustrated. Looking forward to that. But our first segment, um, I got to check on my man here uh, to my left. I'm going to try to give you a. How you doing today, Dan? No, 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 no. I'm asking the questions first on this one. And yes, I'm fine. I'm great. But uh, just to visualize this. Okay, we've got uh, my co-host, BK. That's right. Headset is on. One of the ear flaps, if you will, is on one ear. The other one is off. He's studying his computer screen. He's up to the microphone. He does look to be in... Dan, I'm fine. I know people are expecting that I'm going to be, like, distraught today. First of all, that was an ass-kicking from the very moment that the ball was kicked off. I do think you're distraught. Let's just be honest. Let's get it out on the table. Deep down you are. Secondarily... I covered the team for a year. I don't care. We're talking about today on a Monday morning after your team lost. You know this as well as anybody. When you cover a team and you see how the sausage is made, it becomes a different thing. The emotional attachment is different. I used to be like, if this was five years ago, I would be distraught today. And it would have been a situation where I came in and I was emotional and all of the sorts, right? It's different now. That being said, man, that was brutal. That was... It was was a butt-kicking, as you mentioned. It was. The closest thing that I can remember to this, and you don't have to go that far back, but it was Panthers versus Broncos. The last time that a defensive line just absolutely dominated in a Super Bowl. It happened, by the way, against the same left tackle in Mike Rimmers. And the Chiefs just... They lost one piece too many. When Eric Fisher went down to his torn Achilles, he's the starting left tackle for the Chiefs. They had already missed out on three other starters along the offensive line this year. It was bad all year long. Last night was not the first time that the Chiefs' offensive line struggled. But when you lose that piece, that's kind of the glue that's holding things together. We just saw the floodgates really open up. So Tampa Bay wins it 31 to nine and Tom Brady. Yep. He's your MVP 21 of 29 over 200 yards. It was two Oh one, three touchdowns and he wins yet another Super Bowl. It's been an amazing year. Amazing year. We got to a good start seven and two and then had a little rough stretch where we kind of found our identity and um, played a lot better football down last December, January. And um, just really proud of all the guys, proud of all the, uh, coaches the effort we put in 
We knew we were playing a great football team tonight, and we got the job done. So if you want to get this far, you got to get the job done, and we did it. It's an amazing story uh, Story from the 6-1-8. Mahomes choked. No, 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 no. He was 26 of 49, 270 yards, uh, no touchdowns, had two picks. But here's the difference. He was pressured on 29 of 56 dropbacks. And by the way, the completions that he had, he was running for his life. Without Patrick Mahomes, it could have been much worse. And to your point, if he has any offensive line, and if you're a Chiefs fan this morning, you're saying, for God's sakes, please draft some offensive linemen or go out, whatever you have under the cap, go get somebody. We hope to get healthier because watching him play last night gave you every indication that if he has any protection, because they have their skill guys back under the cap, you're going to win. This is a long window, potentially, if they stay injury-free, to get right back in the game next year. Last night had very little to do with Patrick Mahomes. In fact, I think last night you could make a case, and I know it's crazy to say, given what the numbers were and given how badly the Chiefs looked, It was a case in favor of Patrick Mahomes. His receivers dropped two unbelievable passes. The best pass that was thrown last night. The one off of Kelsey's uh, helmet was incredible. And the one that didn't get caught in the back end of the end zone. And the one in the front of the end zone. Daryl Williams. That's the one I'm talking about. He was rolling to his right. He's being attacked by basically every defensive player on the field. He's literally parallel Parallel to the ground. ground, Looks like a shortstop making a throw to his right underhand. It goes right to where it needs to be in Daryl Williams face. It hits him in the face mask, bounces off, and that was fourth down. They end up having to uh, leave the field. But that was the story all night long. According to next gen stats of NFL Network. Patrick Mahomes traveled 497 yards before throwing the ball or being sacked last night. 497 yards. It's the most scramble yards in a single game by any quarterback in the last five years. Kelsey had 10 catches, 133 yards. Again, Mahomes, though, pressured on 29 of 56 dropbacks. Not, not, not really any. Um, they had a good game plan. They kind of took away our deep stuff. They took away the sidelines, and and they 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 did a good job of rallying to the football and making tackles. Uh, we we weren't we weren't executing early. Uh, had a few miscues. Um, guys weren't we weren't on the same page. Um, but I mean, credit to them, man. They played they played a heck of a game defensively and offensively and beat us. So on the flip side, Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. So let's put this in perspective. Some numbers: more rings than twenty-seven clubs have appearances. That's pretty amazing. Fifth player in the four. Uh, more uh, fourth. Uh, let me start that over. Fifth player in the four major North American pro sports to have seven or more titles, three or more MVPs. Yogi Berra, Joe D, Mickey Mantle, Bill Russell, fifth Super Bowl MVP. It's astonishing what he did. And I know it's you know been talked about a lot, but let's just say it again. You go to a new place, new conference, new division, new team. You're 43. You're in a COVID year. You're doing things that are unlike anything we've ever seen the odd you know zooms that you have to have you're not close with your teammates all those things and and he brought in a lot of guys back i mean he brought gronkowski out of retirement and gronk was a factor last night he had six catches for 67 yards two tds he's blocking his ass off i mean you look at that that is a factor that's the tom brady factor too it is it's one of the great team accomplishments we've ever seen like full stop. It yep. really is. Given given the circumstances that you just went through, they also let's not forget this went on the th- on the road three straight yes. times to be able to and look get at the QBs he beat. He beat Breeze, Breeze. Rogers, Mahomes. Yep. They are the first team, the first team 
to beat three straight Super Bowl MVPs, previous Super Bowl MVPs in a single postseason. It's remarkable what the Buccaneers were able to accomplish this playoffs, this year as a whole. Tom Brady did it again, man. It, he is he is the greatest to ever do it. And I think that legacy is cemented after what we saw last night. 55-19 since the first quarter of the last game. No fluke, no adjustments. That's pretty much right. And that's from the uh, 6-3-6. I don't think that... I don't think you can take into account what happened in the AFC championship game. They were really good in the AFC championship game. They got their ass kicked last night. No excuses. No no excuses for it. They, The game plan was abysmal. I couldn't believe that that was the way that they came out in that game. They never adjusted offensively. The defense was okay. That's kind of what you expect from the Chiefs defense. They haven't been great all season long. The difference was the offense. That's the fewest points, Dan. Patrick Mahomes has uh, had in a single game as a starting quarterback ever, ever literally going back to his high school playing days as a junior and senior in high school. It's the most he's ever been blown out. How about that? It's amazing. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you wake up this morning and you say, wow, we, we just got blown out because when he's been under center, every game he's played in has been tight. And I'm talking about game one of a NFL regular season to all the way to the Super Bowl last year, all the way to the Super Bowl this year. That was the most they've been blown out. That's the amazing thing of what he's done. Yeah. It's he, incredible. He, he's unbelievable. Um, but last night was about the Bucks and what they did defensively. That defensive line, I I was scared about it all week. If you heard any of my FanDuel live reads, if you heard us on the show with Dan or me and Alex, like this was the concern. It was always the concern. How are the Chiefs going to be able to block that fearsome front four? from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the answer was, they're not going to. All night long, Patrick Mahomes is going to be under duress, and it caused some errant throws. It had him looking panicked in a way that I don't think I've ever seen him look panicked in a football game. He still played as well as you possibly can, given the circumstances. It just wasn't enough. And Tom Brady has uh, said, by the way, no surprise to anybody, that he is coming back at the age of 44. Blues hockey, by the way, is coming up later tonight, and it's the Blues and Coyotes. Alex Ferrario will have that for you. The Blues not looking good against Coyotes over the weekend. That was nasty, wasn't it? Yeah, 0 for 17, I believe it is, on the power power play play in the last three games. Uh, Robert Thomas now expected to be out four to six weeks with a broken wrist. They need to get this figured out, Dan, because even though they won that first game against the Coyotes, they did not play well in that game. I remember coming on with Alex right after. I said, I hate watching this Arizona team. They're just a pain in the ass for the Blues. And I continued over the weekend. Who's so okay? Um, They've got to get this thing figured out. All, All weekend long, all I heard was that the Blues don't have confidence. There's only so many times that you can come out and say that after these games. We're now a quarter of the way through the season after tonight, a quarter of the way through the year. Wow, I didn't realize that. It's no longer early. It's starting to get to the point where you're kind of going to have to figure out what you are as a team, and you're going to have to figure that out without Vladimir Tarasenko for the foreseeable future and without Robert Thomas. The depth is what this team is built upon, and it's going to be tested over the next few weeks. We're going to talk baseball. Joe Sheehan coming up around 1030 and also some news with Trevor Bauer that broke on Friday and some news with Marcelo Zuna over the weekend. We'll get to that after the break. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Five oh three to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. 
He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why? Is this taking place in a Super Bowl? Ah, uh, yeah. The fan on the field last night at the Super Bowl, Kevin Harlan with the call. If you're going to have a streaker or you're going to have a fan on the field, there's nobody, and I mean nobody else, you want calling it the play-by-play of that on the radio other than Kevin Harlan, as he described it perfectly. Now, if you're at home and you're watching on television, you're sitting I guarantee there were thousands, if not millions, of people in their living rooms going, show us! I want to see the streaker. Well, there's a reason why you don't. You don't want to give the attention to the streaker or the naked person or whatever. If they have some kind of sign on their back or whatever, they they don't do that because that's giving the attention to somebody that just uh, broke the law. So that's why you don't have it on television. Sometimes we have that happen in baseball games and on purpose, we do not show it. So, well, for instance, we had a few years ago, we had... uh, a person run on the field in Philly, and he got tasered. That was the first time I ever saw someone get tasered. And on the front page of the Philadelphia Inquirer the next day, you see the cop running, and then the guys are about the shortstop position, and the taser just whack him down. So uh, you'll probably get it on social media with everybody's cameras out there. It'll be out instantaneously. Oh, yeah, it was on Twitter last yeah, night. within about two minutes. But you're not going to see it on your television. But great call by Kevin Harlan. Maybe his best call of the night. And he had a bunch of good ones. It was tremendous, Uh, and you always expect him to live up to that moment because that's what Kevin Harlan does. The man is drunk. We got that call from him. We got the cat going down the field. I mean, it's every time that there is something like this that takes place, Harlan is ready to go at a moment's notice. It's amazing. I had the rally cat. In St. Louis. That was a good one. And then the next guy up was... Uh, that one was great, actually. <laughs> yeah, don't don't undersell that one. That one was a fantastic call. We had Molina up. Well, the the poor... It was a cat, and it had... You know, it was a wild cat. What, what would you call a wild cat? What are they? It's a feral a, cat? Yeah, feral cat. And it had not been clipped, so the poor guy that was bringing in the cat was I getting... that. He's getting the stuck. The boy, right? Well, it was... Bat guy, bat boy. It, it might have been one of the bat boys. Wasn't that like he was related to Nick Reddick, I think, or something like that? Yeah, and one so of the guys that used to work here. He's he's basically getting sliced by this cat. This poor guy didn't have sleeves on. It's the middle of the summer, and I I remember going, "Ow, ear, ah, ah," like that. And then they ran it right out of the stadium. And uh, the next pitch to Yachty hits a home run, and we had the rally squirrel. So I just immediately thought, it's the rally cat. So we had that. Um, That was kind of fun. I remember one time I was working with Ricky Horton, and uh, we had a streaker in San Diego. Okay? Now, this guy was a pure streaker, meaning he's streaking, as in, we're going to go streaking. You know, I mean, Will Ferrell streaking, if you've seen old school, okay, down the street. So he runs out there, and um, this was the year after the rally squirrel. And I said, boy, you never know. Maybe this is the rallying cry that the Cardinals need. And, and of course, Ricky Horton said, well, how are we going to get the streaker on the ring if they win? 
So that was something that came to mind when I thought of watching that last night. You just never know what's going to intrigue the fan base. So we have different things that happen in live sporting events. You just hope it doesn't happen during a Super Bowl. Yeah, we, we needed something last night to bring some entertainment for all of us because, listen, I'm, I'm a fan of the Chiefs, and so like I was going to watch that game no matter what. If you are somebody that was a neutral observer like you, Dan, of that game, and you fell asleep midway through the third quarter, pretty much I totally did. get it. I've I actually understand. fell asleep during the weekend. You didn't like that performance? No, I didn't. No. I thought it got a, lo- a lot more crap than it deserved, Stu. I thought it was fine. It, it, wa- it was certainly was not up there with the best that we've seen. It was not Prince. It was not Bruno Mars. It was not Beyonce. It was none of those. But it was fine. I-, I thought it was an okay performance, especially given the fact that we have to keep in mind that one thing that gives those performances some energy is the fans that are around the stage normally. There were no fans around a stage, in part because there was really no stage on the field last night. So that that has to be taken into account. I thought it was fine. Dan, you were never going to like that. No matter, it could have been the greatest performance of all time. And Dan would have come in and been like, eh, not really my style. Probably right. (laughs) Actually, that's probably right. Uh, Let's go to some baseball here. We mentioned Trevor Bauer and Marcel Ozuna. So Bauer, the news hits on Friday. And everybody thought, okay, he's going to the Mets. It got reported by Bob Nightingale. There was some mix-up with that. He goes, though, to the Dodgers. He signs with the Dodgers Friday, three years, $102 million. So he gets protection in this deal, too, because he gets opt-outs after year one and year two. Now, you would think, on its surface, you give a guy three years and $102 million, does he really need an opt-out? At least I do. But, hey, whatever. It's 2021. That's how it works these days, and that's just the way it is. It's kind of like an NBA contract mm-hmm. almost. Um, so $40 million in 2021, $45 million in 2022 for a guy that will be on the field 30 times out of 162, and the Dodgers are hoping it will be a lot more than that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. The other thing I'm thinking about with this, I'm like, okay, the Dodgers just signed him and gave him three years, $102 million. Okay, he he's probably worth that. If you if you get paid that, I always say you're worth it. Somebody thinks you're worth it. However, where does he fit in the rotation? He's probably a number three. We're not talking about a number one starter for the Dodgers. You have is got he, is he even the number three? Are well, we sure? I would say if you're the Dodgers, he's you're going to be behind Clayton Kershaw because it's Clayton Kershaw, Game right? In, in, Those two in, for in sure theory. will be their top two starters. Trevor and you, you've got Walker Bueller. You've got David Price who opted out last year. You got Julio Urias, who's there as well, and they have others. That Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May. I love Dustin May. Dustin May's tremendous, and everybody's saying that he's not even going to be in the rotation this year. I love and Dustin I'm, May. I'm sitting here like, hold on. I'd take that dude as the Cardinals' number two starter going into next year. I'd feel pretty good about that. So they will exceed the luxury tax, BK, by about $28 million. And when you think about teams like the Cardinals that were all teams obviously affected by COVID-19 and especially a team like the Cardinals where they're dependent on fans in the stands when you have 3.4 million people coming through the turnstiles. Think about the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are the number one drawing team in baseball. Now they have a massive TV deal, which is allowing them to go out and make this deal. But to their credit, they go out and will exceed the tax threshold by about $28 million by my count. Um, and there's no reason to think that they're not going to be the, the leaders of the pack along with San Diego to go out and win that division. But it is impressive 
what they're doing with the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, it's expected to be the highest payroll I think that we've seen in baseball or one of the highest payrolls that we've ever seen yes. in baseball history. Uh, about $240 million is where they're at right now, and that's before they sign Justin Turner. And I'm still expecting that they're going to get that done. We'll see. But if they get that done, they could end up being around 260 which would be right around the highest that we've ever seen in the history of the sport. Dan, this is why when I look at the Cardinals, I'm not going to judge them compared to the Dodgers. I'm not because it's a fool's errand to do so. And nobody's going to touch on paper what that team brings to the table. It doesn't mean you can't beat them in a seven game series. It can be done, but on paper, nobody's going to be able to go side by side and check more boxes off than the LA Dodgers going into this season. All you have to do if you're the Cardinals is be better than all of the other second-tier teams in the National League. If you can be better than the Mets and the Braves and the Padres, that's wh- that's your classification of teams right now. And I think you have every reason to believe, at, at a minimum, you are at the same level as those other teams. And that's, that's what I'm going to judge them on this year. If I'm a Mets fan and I got the news of Bauer, uh, I'm kind of upset. You know, I've, I've got an owner that's got, what, 16, 17, 18 billion dollars. He's made the claim that if we don't win a world championship within five years, it's a disappointment. I think it's been a good year for them this offseason, especially getting Lindor, but it's not great. Now, have they passed probably the Nats and Phillies in the East? I'm going to give them the edge with that. They've got DeGrom. They've got Carrasco. Uh, they got Stroman. Remember, he decided to come back. They've got David Peterson. They've got Robert Gesellman. And at some point, they're going to get Noah Syndergaard. But if you would have added a Trevor Bauer, now you're talking. Now it's a difference maker. And their bullpen should be pretty good this year. Uh, Trevor Bauer, by the way, over the confusion of his deal, because he had told his fans, remember, he's very inclined to do a lot of things on social media. And there was a lot of confusion, and a lot of fans were upset with it. He has come out and said he's going to donate to various charities in New York $10 million, or excuse me, $10,000 a piece to upset Mets fans and also give some tickets away because he knows, essentially, he said, I'm embarrassed how this came out and it wasn't supposed to happen this way. So I give him some credit with that. Um, Marcelo Zuna, he signs now with the uh, Atlanta Braves. So he gets a four-year deal with $64 million on the table. And that is a very good lineup. I I would look at now with the addition of Ozuna to the Braves, they're the leaders in the East, even ahead of, and I'm not saying the Mets don't make some moves here because I think they will, but they've got to be now the the leader of the pack. That, That lineup is so good with him coming back right in the middle of that lineup, Acuna, Swanson, the MVP, Freddie Freeman, you got Ozuna, Travis Darno, Albies, uh, Austin Riley, Ender Enciarte. That's an awfully good team. It's a really good team, and they are kind of the anti-Mets in some ways in that the Mets have really a couple of really good stars on the lineup side of things, but they're going to be built in a large part based on their pitching going into next year and the fact that they've got a really fantastic shortstop in Francisco Lindor. The Braves are built on their lineup, and they're hoping that the pitching can hold up. That's my big question about the Braves going into next year. It's been the question about them and the Brewers for years now. Yeah. Do they have the pitching to be able to make it through what is going to be a slog of a 2021 Major League Baseball season? You mentioned Justin Turner lurking in the weeds. Would it be the Milwaukee Brewers? You know, that's the team that needs to get him. Tanner has been asking that exact question, I think, for about a month now. And the longer this goes, the more you question, is he going to actually leave L.A.? I'm still saying no. 
right now. I still, especially now that they're over the threshold, they're they're over the luxury tax. I think they're going to bring him back. That's the perfect fit, though. If you're Milwaukee and you got Wong, now you can move here at a first base. You've really had problems at their third base position in terms of production. That's the guy. That's who you go get. And I understand he's old. He's so still what? really, really good. Yeah. That dude changes the complexion of your lineup. I, I was talking about previously the Cardinals. Like if he was willing to leave the Dodgers, this is prior to them acquiring Nolan Arenado, I thought he'd be a great fit here if they had a spot for him. Oh, I think the Cardinals had some interest. Really? I do. I, I think the Cardinals would have had some interest in Justin Turner if all this didn't happen. Now, you know, once you heard that Arenado's available, all bets are you're like, okay, great. See ya. If it doesn't work out, because maybe we'll circle back. this is the face franchise for the next seven guy. years. Yeah. D- Turner would be a one-year right. stopgap where you hope that he's able to provide that thump in the middle of the order. Abs- absolutely. And then you got Nolan Gorman coming, and you hope the, that falls in your lap and everything works out. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. BK alongside, I'm Dan McLaughlin, the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. Get the chance to talk it over with Joe Sheehan, and uh, I subscribe to his newsletter. I hope you do as well. There's always great, great baseball talk uh, just about every single day at joesheehan.com. So subscribe. It's very affordable. It's joesheehan.com, S-H-E-E-H-A-N.com, joesheehan.com. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Good, Dan. What's going on, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm glad the Super Bowl is over so we can actually focus on baseball a little bit more. It was so, you know, slow getting things going. But as you can imagine, here in St. Louis, we're excited about Nolan Arenado. Just your initial impressions on this deal and how it all went down. It really is just about the money for the Rockies. And the Cardinals were in position to take advantage of that, not because they're necessarily rich, but because the Rockies made it work for them. Get that essentially the free first year, the free 2021, the Rockies are picking up uh, all of Arenado's salary. That's really what made it work. Um, and the Cardinals didn't give up a ton in talent. You know, we'll see if some of the, the lower free, uh, the, excuse me, the uh, younger prospects pan out, but they didn't give up really any of their top guys. And when you can get an all star type player for Arenado, even with the risk that he opts out, it's worth it just for this next year. It literally made this trade against the backdrop of the NL Central not doing anything, made the Cardinals the favorite in the division. Joe, what kind of a player are the Cardinals getting in Nolan Arenado? I mean, I I know he's very good. He's quite good. But for Cardinals fans, can you put into context the type of player that they're getting with him and how you think he's going to age now that he is above that 30-year mark? Nolan Arenado is like an update on Scott Rowland. Actually, better defensively, maybe not quite the hitter. I guess that would be the best way to put it for Cards fans. You know, Cardinals... Cardinals fans have had been blessed over the last, certainly as long as I've been alive, of having these really great defensive players. And Arenado fits in that tradition. Uh, absolutely incredible going to his right at third base. He'll make plays from section 14 and make the throw and get the guy out of first. Just incredible range, lateral range, great arm. At the plate, a um, little less patient that you'd like to see. But even last year, like, he had a bad year at the plate. Well, I say year. It was two months. Guys can have bad two months. But even within that, he had the best strikeout rate of his career. So he's getting better at getting the bat to the ball. Now you'll hear a lot about, oh, he had this home road split and you know, guys coming out of cores, you gotta worry about their numbers. Don't. Mike Petriello.com did a really great piece about guys leaving Colorado. If you don't want to read the article, let me just give you one name. DJ LeMayhu. Two years ago, DJ LeMayhu left the Rockies and he's basically been the best player in the American League since then. 
So I wouldn't worry about the, the, the move from Colorado to St. Louis. I expect him to be, sabermetrically speaking, a five to six win player with a lot of that value on defense. Brandon hit a great power. Um, maybe it's shaped, it's shaped more as doubles in St. Louis. So maybe it's 40, 45 doubles, 20, 25 homers. But I, again, if you throw the narrative in, guys, Nolan Arenado has an excellent chance to be the NL MVP because if he comes in and has a Nolan Arenado season and the Cardinals go out in 92 games in the division, he's going to be seen as the reason for that. How would you stack the lineup then if you know that Goldschmidt, Arenado are three and four, whatever you want to put them in, it doesn't matter, but they're in the middle of this. Where would you put Carlson? Where do you put DeYoung? How do you see this thing shaking out? Yeah, it, it can be a bit of an awkward lineup, and we'll see if they eventually sign Yachty or if they're going to go with Kisner behind the plate. Uh, I, I'm going to disagree on one thing. I would like to see them separate the two right-handed hitters, in part because Goldschmidt is their best hitter. He, to me, should bat second. He's got that really high OBP. We know that you know when you're assembling a lineup, sabermetrically, you want to put your best hitter second. I, I like to do that, too, because I'd love to see Carlson hitting third between those two guys. Um, not so much. I don't want to talk about in terms of protection, but if I'm going to have a young hitter, I can get him batting third behind. Uh, I'm blanking, guys. Goldschmidt. The hitter, the, no, Goldschmidt. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember who I had slotted in the league. Edmund. Spot. Tommy Edmund. Thank you, Tommy Edmund. Um, likely is not. Carlson will bat with a runner on base a lot. That gives him an opportunity to see pitchers coming out of the stretch. You protect hitters from the front, not from the back. So if you let Carlson basically a rookie, come in, bat with a lot of runners on base, hit between those two right-handed batters, which makes it hard to target him with left-handed relief pitching. I think it's a really good place for him. Uh, you know, Carlson's likely to be more of a power guy than an on-base guy. That's also a really good spot for the number three hitter. I, I just I like the idea of separating the two righties with the young left-handed hitter. So I, I don't know if I don't expect them to do that, but I would love to see them do that. I think that's the optimal lineup for the team. Joe, if I eliminate the Dodgers from the conversation because they're in a different stratosphere from seemingly everybody else in baseball, or certainly the National League right now, how do you think the Cardinals stack up now against the rest of the kind of second-tier contenders in the National League? The Padres, Braves, Mets, how, how do they stack up against those three teams in particular? I'd probably put them at the bottom of that top tier. Uh, say Todd, Dodgers, Padres, the Mets and Braves in whatever order you want to put them. And then I would have the Cardinals as the fifth best uh, team with a significant gap though. I mean, last year we kind of had this mishmash, like the 13 NL team, the 12 NL teams after the Dodgers, it was a little hard to tease them out, but now you really have had some separation. The, the Phillies have basically brought back a team that wasn't all that good. The nationals, you know, we saw them get hurt, hit by injuries last year. They're very top heavy. We've talked about the central and how they haven't done anything. The giants have tried to compete, but they just don't have the baseline of talent. I think right now it's you mentioned the Dodgers being ahead of everybody. Then those next four teams, and I think the Cardinals have a significant edge, maybe four to five wins over, say, the Nats, the Phillies, the Cubs would be the next tier. In terms of getting the season off and having this thing go, it is February eighth. The Cardinals report February seventeenth. Do we get to February seventeenth and don't have a stoppage? What do you think? I think so. Um, I'm. I don't think the season's going to be delayed at this point, barring you know if some you hear about so many stories about the variants of the virus that are developing in other parts of the world. Um, should the numbers get really bad again, maybe that would change it. But based on the path we have now, um, vaccinations are happening around the country. I think they're going to to push through. I underestimated Danny last year the uh, determination of baseball to push through and have a season. If you think about late July and early August the Marlins situation, the Cardinals situation. I was calling for the season to be shut down at that point, and they didn't shut it down. 
and they plowed through and they played all but two games, those Cardinals Tigers games that never got picked up. So to me, if they plowed through last year, there's no reason to think they're not going to plow through this year. I guess the follow-up question there then, do you think that we play with the current rules? Do we have expanded postseason? Do we get the DH? How do you see that playing out over the next few weeks? Well, Brandon, remember, they set a precedent last year of changing the playoff format. I think it was the fifth inning of the Yankees national game on opening (laughs) night. So there's still a lot of time for them to make those changes, and I expect they will. There's a lot of money in it for the the owners to get the, uh, the playoffs expanded. And the DH look, the best argument for not letting pitchers hit was a year watching the pitchers, not having to watch the pitchers. Hit. So <laughs> yeah. there's, there are a lot of baseball reasons to not now have the pitchers hit in 2021. When in all, you know, it seems I can't find anybody who doesn't think the CBA, the next CBA is going to permanently implement the designated. Hit. We're going to have that starting in 2022. So to go back and have the pitchers hit for a year, nobody wants that. They haven't hit for, it'll be a year and a half come April. Um, they were awful hitters when it started. So I think we are going to get an agreement on the DH expanded playoffs, probably some of the gimmick rules from last year as well. I think baseball in 2021 is going to look more like 2020 than it does 2019. And my final question is February 8th of next year. Are we talking about uh, guys reporting to spring training? I just wonder about the CBA. What do you, what do you think, Joe? I'd like to see them put it all off for a year get away from the pandemic before you have this conversation because the pandemic has messed with the money of baseball so much that putting a CBA conversation on top of that is hard. Um, my, a year from now, if I had to guess, I, what's that guys? I can't hear you. You're breaking up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, get, I get it. I, I think, I think there won't be opening camps. I think we'll have some type of delay to the season in 2022. Mm. Don't like to hear that, but I am excited about 2021. So let's get there first. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. And again, everybody go to joesheehan.com and sign up for his newsletter. Great information on baseball all year, all season long. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, fellas. Take care. You got it. That is uh, Joe Sheehan. He brought up one point that I have given some thought to. I've been really talking to myself. I, I do a lot of talking to myself. Here, I've, I've known uh, you BK. to do that. Yeah. Um, and I've been thinking about, okay, how, how am I going to get the most out of Dylan Carlson? I, I want to take the pressure off of him. And I know he was batting cleanup last year and for lack of a better term exposed in that lineup, because there's no other options to try to get the other team, the opposition to pitch to Paul Goldschmidt. He's the guy you want to see do some damage. I do find it interesting about two then three Carlson, somebody else four. I don't think they're going to do that, by the way, but it is food for thought. Yeah, I think your two, three, four in some order, and honestly, I think you could put them in basically any order, is going to be Goldschmidt, Arenado, Carlson. And it's a question of how do you construct those three? Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of questions about those guys. Maybe I should have more questions about Carlson, but for some reason, I don't. I don't have questions. I my I think the, the thing I look at is where do I maximize him because the other two are veterans. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I the one thing I want to see out of Goldschmidt is some type of protection for him, some type of protection for Dylan Carlson. Yeah. Now the question would be what what's the protection for Arenado? And I think I'll get that by taking some of the pressure off DeYoung. I agree. So it, 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 by extending the, the length in the lineup, you're, you're handling some of those questions as you go. Dan, I just looked this up. Do you know how many times last year in regular season games, do you know how many games 
that Dylan Carlson started in the top half of the batting order. So one through five last year. And how many games did he play in? Probably 30. 17. He played 17 uh, games? No, that's not correct. Uh, he played last season in 35 games, started 32 of them. Yeah, I was going to say 34 games. Um, so it was right in the middle. Uh, I would say in the top half, he was probably in the top half of, so you say 34. I will say he was in the top half of 12 games. Three. Is that it? He hit in the two-hole And define top half. So that's top five in the order for me. Hit in the two-hole twice. Wow. Hit cleanup uh, once. So three games all season long that he was in the top half of your order in the regular season. Now, we know, got into the postseason, he was your cleanup hitter for those games. But I find that That fascinating, man. I thought it was way more than that. He ended up 22 of his 35 games were played batting eighth. Or ninth. And the idea was to maybe take the pressure off him, just go up there, do your thing. But he, I think he was guessing so much. It, sometimes it's very hard to be a bottom-of-the-order hitter. Now, it's very, very hard to be a bottom-of-the-order hitter when you don't have a DH. Are you being pitched around yeah. to get to the pitcher or not? And that's something that people don't take into account. I think that's going to help him. I think that's going to help I him a too. lot Move going into next year. So I uh, second, third, fourth, I think probably in that two holes where I like him best. But if you want to bat him third, I got no issues with it. Uh, Any of those three can go in that two, three, four construction for me. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. That's a cat squirrel. That's a cat. Remember, here got a member of the grounds crew coming out there to... Hopefully pick up the cat. There it is. Ow! Ow! (laughs) Stop it! To Yadier Molina. Molina! I just hope Kevin Harlan would be proud. Ow! That was the rally cat from a few years ago. Mike Ryder pulling that up. Thank you, Mike. Well done. That was funny. That was funny. That was a good one, Dan. That was good. Uh, that, that came against my Royals, oh, and yeah, I was at that game. Were you really? I was at that game, and it <laughs> felt the Royals were winning the majority of that they game. Were. And then I, I looked over to so my fiance, girlfriend at the time, is a Cardinals fan, born and raised here, and I obviously came, grew, grew up in KC, so I yep. went as a Royals fan that day. I looked over to her after that, and I was like, they're really going to lose this game, aren't they? Were you this, wearing a Steve Balboni <laughs> no. jersey that day? I was wearing a Lorenzo Cain jersey that day, actually. He was, my, he was my favorite player. So now you're telling everybody in St. Louis you love the Brewers, is what you're basically no, no, saying. No, 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 no. Yes, that's I what you just said. I love great center field defense. I have an affinity for that, which is why I am also a fan of Harrison Bader. So I was projecting. Yeah, a okay. little bit. Okay. A little bit of projection there. All right, BK. Um... Hey, some sad news, by the way, on the baseball front. Did want to mention this, but Pedro Gomez, for fans that did not hear this, uh, it was by, uh, right around about when the uh, Super Bowl ended. But uh, Pedro Gil- Gomez, longtime uh, ESPN reporter, wonderful man, one of the nicest guys in the sport, uh, passed away at the age of 58. Uh, knew Pedro very, very well, having done uh, baseball for so many years in his time coming through St. Louis, St. Louis being a very popular team and ESPN, the Wednesday night game or Sunday night game or Saturday, whatever he would be coming through um, and very popular among the players. Very fair as a reporter, uh, very sad news with the passing of Pedro Gomez. So I wanted to, to pass that along. Um, okay. We're out of time. This flu 
Uh, I'm very sorry over your Chiefs, too. We'll be all right. We'll make it through. I just have another three hours to talk about it. It's going to be great. I bet your show is going to be vibrant because your Chiefs lost, and Alex is, I, I saw his lip Alex dragging. is far more down than I am today. I want to make that very clear. It's been dragging on the floor of the, of the offices here of 101 with Remember what's going on with the Remember yeah, when that was going to be a thing and the, the Blues power play is not only going to be the best in the Dominant. league. It's going to be the best in league history. Yeah. Uh, all of these different great things we're going to... Eh, hasn't exactly gone that way. So we'll get into that coming up today. We yeah. are actually going to talk about the Blues in all seriousness. Scott Hartnell is going to join us at NHL Network coming up at 1130. We've got former Cardinals first baseman and Rockies first baseman Mark Reynolds coming up at 1230. So lots to get into. Obviously got to start with, uh, you know, what happened last night as well. By the way, Alex would like to get his ribs on me as well. You talk about a guy that could hit a ball a mile. No one mentions Mark Reynolds. He had raw, ridiculous power. And then you matched him into cores and then they went really far. He was ridiculous. So I'm looking forward to that. Him and Brandon Moss. Brandon, Brandon Moss, Moss is the other one. Unbelievable power. Didn't connect with the ball very often. But when he did, man, that thing zoomed out of the stadium so when people ask me about nolan gorman and can he play somewhere else other than third i say well they put brandon moss in the outfield it worked it can be done Mm -hmm. we'll see did you see the report from ken rosenthal by the way I have not. They are apparently going to try him at second and in the outfield going into this year. Wait a minute. Is that what I said? I think he did say something about Maybe that. Maybe I reported that That's right. a week and a half ago. That's right. Well, I didn't report it, but I just said, well, where does Nolan Gorman go? I hey, said, well, try second show, Dan, base, you know? We get credit for what we get right. Yeah, <laughs> we do. All right, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow at 10. See you, Dan. 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. On November 13th, it's the dawning of a new era when the NFL debuts in Germany live on NFL Network. Brady and the Bucks. Touchdown, Tampa Bay! DK and the Seahawks. Puts the ball up, making a catch! Wake up and watch with the world. It's Sunday morning football, live from Munich. Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, only on NFL Network. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.